Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Shop Talk Show. We have two sponsors for you at the top of the show here. One is Environments for Humans promoting their Front End Summit. If you, uh, It's one of their online conferences, which you know all about. You can attend from anywhere in the world. Make sure you use coupon code SHOPTALK when you check out for that one for 20% off. But it is a, it's a one-dayer that's just all about hardcore front end stuff. We'll tell you more about it later in the show. It's going to be awesome. And Harvest at GetHarvest.com. It is time tracking for your business. But time tracking is just kind of the heart and soul of it. With that data, you can do all kinds of stuff like create estimates and invoices and expense tracking and do all this stuff through all kinds of apps. It's an amazing uh, piece of software. We'll tell you more about it later in the show. But for now, let's kick things off. You're listening to a special morning drive edition of the Shop Talk Show. Big nuts. I'm Dave the Dom Rupert, and with me is Chris <laughs> CSS Goya. <laughs> Cascading the Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we're just recording this a little early, so the you know the the caffeine is just starting to flow through our veins a little better. I can't wait. We have an amazing guest on it this week, Ben Callahan. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I totally was planning on waiting to say something until after the trumpets, but I totally blew it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Ben, Ben, you're at the moment, I'm sure, sitting in Dayton, Ohio, in the Midwest with all of us, really. Yeah. Dayton, Ohio, baby. Yep. Because you are the the man at uh, Sparkbox. So maybe can you just like, like, what do you do and stuff? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Sparkbox, like you said, based in Dayton, Ohio. We're a web studio, uh, very much focused on uh, web design development. We have content strategists, UX, all that stuff in-house. There's 26 of us currently, uh, although three of those wow. are apprentices. We're, we have a we're, we're, we have a heavy bent on learning. We're, we're always trying to kind of um, do our best to to teach each other and uh, learn from folks in the industry. And one of the ways we do that is by uh, having apprentices in our space. So we've got three of those. That's a six-month program that started at the beginning of the year. We'll run the first six months of the year. So 26 yeah. in the office. So And then sometimes you hire them and, and sometimes they go do something else? Sure, yeah. I mean, if, if there's a good fit and we're looking for somebody in a specific role, then yeah, absolutely. We've uh, actually, <laughs> when I think back through it, I believe we've actually hired somebody out of each apprenticeship that we've run. So that wasn't ever really the the only reason to do it, although it is a it is a great way to find good folks, you know. No, yeah, right. It's mostly to, you know, I don't know, do a good job <laughs> or whatever the it's a sure. uh, yeah, yeah. And so you got so you do that, which is a, I, I didn't even actually know that. That's pretty cool, but cuz I think some people are aware of you through cuz this education thing is for real at Sparkbox. It's not just this, it's also you have this whole lecture series called uh the Maker series and Build Right yeah. and yeah. uh 
Yep. And you like do other stuff that people might have no idea about because it's kind of like hyper local to, to you guys, right? Like I remember you had this big class where you had all these Girl Scouts in and you were teaching them how to build yeah. websites. That's kind of like tangential to all this too. So you do all kinds of stuff that's, that's about education that uh, isn't necessarily just sit and do client work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's because – so the apprenticeship thing is one of the reasons that we do that is because I, I really believe teaching makes you smarter. Um, and so if my goal is to have a group of people who are really smart and they want to work in this industry where things are constantly changing, um, we need ways to sort of encourage that growth in, in our people. So having uh, young folks in here who are eager to learn and willing to ask questions that maybe some of us old folks are just sort of uh, a little stagnant on, um, it really challenges us and it makes us better, you know. Um, and the same thing with you know, the, the, the lectures and, you know, workshop series and all that. So, uh, pretty good. And, 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 and I, I've gotten the chance to visit Sparkbox in the, in yeah. the somewhat not far away. And it is a incredibly beautiful space. You guys have the, one of the coolest offices I've ever been to. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it's to say fun. about that. Congrats. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, thanks. It's actually pretty new for us. We, um, we've only been in this space for coming up on two years now. Um, and so, you know, for a long time, we, re- we operated out of a, like a loft apartment down in the arts district of Dayton, um, which is a pretty small arts district. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, we had like an old space down there that was just a really cool space, but it was sort of residential, you know, by default. And we kind of basically took over the living room of this basically loft apartment and, and built out desks and things in there. Mm-hmm. And um, for about four years, we were trying to find space, you know, <laughs> just because we couldn't really, that we kind of got lucky. It's like we moved into that space with just four of us, the original four owners. And there was a huge kitchen in there and literally half the space was kitchen and pool table. And so, you know, so, uh, the pool not table super, had to go eventually. No, we couldn't move it, man. You got to see, I have to show you a picture of this thing. It was <laughs> tremendously huge. The I guy imagine who, Rob's desk on top of it then. You there know. you go. That, that might've worked. Yeah. <laughs> A little um, bit of plywood, that'll fix that up. That's right, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we got this, we had this culture of cooking because we had this big kitchen. Um, and so we, we, when we went to look for space, we were kind of spoiled, you know, try, trying to find something that would work. Um, so, yeah, we, we ended up having to find a place where they would just let us do whatever we wanted. And that was the space, so... Yeah, pretty nice. Uh, and well, while I was, you have this like kind of big, kind of cool common area with like high bar tables kind of thing. And then there's a ping pong table in there. So no pool table. You kind of possibly upgraded because ping pong is even more fun. But you don't call it ping pong at Sparkbox. In fact, you just wrote about it for the pastry box, right? You have your own kind of brand of ping pong. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Um, I'll have to post some video a little later. Uh, we, so we play a game called Ping Volley Pong Ball. Um, <laughs> And one quick correction, Chris, there is a pool table, uh, oh. but it's actually underneath the ping pong table. That is the most expensive ping pong table I've ever bought. <laughs> sure. I've ever bought. <laughs> um, but we play ping volley pong ball because it's, uh, I don't know, kind of makes you move a little bit more. It's literally like combining volleyball and ping pong. So each side gets up to three hits. Um, man, you can really just destroy a ping pong ball if you want. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, okay, so that's that's that, and you're you know kind of known for you know traveling around, speaking at conferences, talking about responsive design, and so do you have any uh, thoughts to share there? What's kind of your muse recently? 
Oh, man. Um, so it's funny, like my role has changed a lot. You know, my background is I was computer science major in college. You know, I studied that stuff and I did. I worked at a big sort of enterprise like shop right out of school for a few years and just basically spent my whole time fixing everybody's bugs at that point. You know, when you're when you're starting off in that software business, that's kind of how it is. And um, I got bored with that pretty quick. And I and I shifted, I, I started doing a lot of design work and then I kind of found a, a middle ground in like front end development, you know, um, where I could use some of the technical background that I had, but also some of the creative side of what, uh, of what I, I enjoyed doing too. So, um, I've, I'm a front end developer if I was, if you asked me, you know, what my specific thing is, uh, but my role has changed a lot. We've, we've grown a bit and I, and, and I find myself sort of kind of leading this organization with my, one of my partners, Rob Har, who you guys know, and. Uh, so the two of us kind of focus, you know, on the business of, of Sparkbox and we kind of work to develop our team in a way that they can handle doing what our, our clients need for us. So my role's changed a lot. I do still get to write a little bit of code, but it's it's mostly kind of experimental. I, I use this really cool tool called CodePen to kind of goof around. And, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, we, we do some of that. And um, But my role's changed. You know, I do a lot of interacting with customers. It's more like it sounds so, so heady, but it's like, you know, consulting and like organizational change and that sort of thing with bigger, with bigger customers that we have now. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, more, a more presidential role really. Yeah, there you go. Presidential. I, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Not that I, not that I mind coding, but I just, I dream <laughs> for that to be able to, to step up a little bit and <laughs> I don't know, waggle my finger and make things happen. <laughs> it's not quite like that, but no, you can, I'm sure yeah. it's not, but that's how I'm picturing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're, and, and, and also just, just kind of serendipitous timing where I'm personally working with Sparkbox a bit and some of your team members there to work on a, a code pen redesign. So we can put that link in the show notes if you haven't seen it yet, but we're kind of doing it in the open as they say, and has Sparkbox has experience with, because I remember kind of back in the day, you redesigned the Sparkbox site itself kind of in the open, yeah. which, what does that mean exactly? I guess, how do you think of that? Oh man. Um, you know, I, I, one of the most amazing things about this industry is how open it is. And I, I always, I'm always reminded of that because we kind of live in it, you know, um, so we're sort of used to that, but I'm always reminded of that. Anytime I speak with my lawyer, <laughs> um, it's like, you know, I remember the first time I expl- tried to explain to them about our workshops, you know, where we teach ex- all the things that we do for clients. We teach those things too. You know, we do them at conferences, we do them internally with uh, organizations. And I remember my lawyer looking at me and saying, "Wait a second, you're telling me that you're teaching your competition how to do the things you, <laughs> you know, like right. he couldn't grasp that. He just it wasn't it, it just didn't make sense, you know, and." um so you know, this whole idea of designing in the open is just an extension of that, right? It's like we can – there's a ton of people out there. Every time I go to a conference to speak, I learn more, I think, than I actually educate. You know, it's, and it's just, just the opportunity to meet people who are trying to solve the same problems. You can kind of translate that to our work too. And if, there's a, if we have the, the you know, opportunity to work with an organization that's willing to speak publicly about the process as we do it, it's just so tremendously helpful for people. I mean, to, everybody wants to see, you know, the details of what's happening, uh, you know, in, in, in somebody's process. So I think, you know, we're appreciative of you for being willing to open it up. 
But um, I don't know. It's just it's just really beneficial, you know. It makes us. It kind of puts a little accountability on it too, you know. <laughs> like the fact that we're talking <laughs> about what we're doing with you, you know, every month um, means that we kind of have have to be on the ball about making progress. We've got to be on the ball about making sure the stuff we're doing is you know is going to be good stuff for you. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's good all around. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. It is good all around. And of course, there's like some free marketing that happens and stuff like, you know, there's sure. lo- there's ben- there's benefits all over the place. It's pretty, yeah, pretty. pretty uh, well, I had cool. a customer just the other day ask me about our process and our process is pretty fluid. Like a, there isn't really like a, a set of steps, right? That's a lot of folks are kind of a, a coming to that conclusion. But what I can do now is send them to this, you know, the, the site, right? So we have this codepen.csparkbox.com where we're documenting all this. And our clients, our potential clients can look at that and say, oh, here's a bunch of research they did for that client. It made sense for them, you know, and they can sort of imagine themselves in that role too. So it's really helpful from that standpoint. Yeah, fantastic. All right. So that's that's stuff. Dave, do you have any? Uh, oh, I just like that you mentioned the trade secrets thing. My, <laughs> my father-in-law actually said the exact same thing. He was like, so Dave just goes to conferences and tells people all his trade secrets. Trade Not secrets. only that, like, but you write, you sit around and write plugins that you just you can't wait to open source. You know, mm, stuff like yeah, that. It's sort of backwards world, but I like it. I like I, the alternative. Seems very dark and yeah, dark and lawyery. <laughs> and there's so many people that agree with that this is the way that it should go that when someone or a person or an organization or something is the is starts to be the other way like protective of their stuff and not open and kind of they're just kind of like pariahs right they, we don't <laughs> we can we can they're smell right, that yeah. a mile away and they're just they're not in <laughs> you're like My, we're like uh, goodbye you know. I have a good friend, and maybe I've told this story here on the show, but I have a good friend. He, you know, has got his master's and stuff like that and worked in at the university here in town. And But he was commenting just based on, like, our our culture and the fact that he knows I open source stuff. And he was just like, "You, the web industry seems sort of like the the ideal academia, like what academia was supposed to be, like just this open sharing of mm. ideas – no, like you have to subscribe to my publication every year and all this information is locked up in some gnarly book. It's just like straight up open sharing. And I just, I thought that was really it's, cool. I wonder though if the, if the accountability is, or maybe that's not the right word for it, but if it's a little less dangerous on the web because, hey, you know, as, as important as some websites are, they're just kind of websites. Where, do you, do we want this like community of, of blogging doctors just being like, hey, uh, I tried, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hemp for stitches the other day and it worked great, you know? <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, or, you know, like, do, do you want that or do you want, you know, like to be the journal of doctors to have to go through a process to get into journals and you know i don't know you know what i, I think mean. you want the the doctor who performs mad experiments on themselves <laughs> i think that makes for a much more interesting uh yeah industry there's sort of another side to this whole coin too which is if you're in if you're in um you know client facing work like we are we're you know we're client services right um because 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 what we do to focus so much on the web, all the people that we talk to, all the people who listen to this show probably are very much sort of invested in this idea of the openness of the web. And I think that's partly because 
the web is open, right? Like I can go view source on any website. You know, you can't, you can't hide it from me how you built that thing, you know? Um, I mean, there are, obviously there are ways to do that if you really, really try, but, um, but a lot of industries are not that way. And when you're in client services, you know, you deal with the web every day and you understand its openness. And yet you have to work with organizations that have a very different mindset, you know? So, we um one of the things that's it's really interesting, this whole idea of an open redesign as it relates to customer work, um, most customers have no desire. You know, they, they do not want us talking about uh, the process that we're going through with them because they see it. You know, they see that the, the stuff that we do for them is a competitive advantage and they don't want their competitors to know they're taking that approach. But they also a lot of our, a lot of organizations that we work with have a hard time. This is something I hear constantly. They, they're having a hard time building their own team. And I think that those two things are actually they go hand in hand. Right. Like if a, if, a, if somebody out there is like a big a big brand that does e-commerce or something, they want to have a good, solid team of people who are like pushing the edge of what's possible with web technologies. Right. If that's what they want. Their best solution is to start to open up the process they use because the people who value that are the people who would be great hires for them, you know. So we're trying to encourage that with our clients, but it's a it's an up, uphill battle for sure. So in some ways, the process you broadcast, it mirrors, I guess, your recruitment kind of is that. Yeah, I mean, think, yeah, th- like think like about what you broadcast attracts like-minded. Yes, exactly. Okay. I mean, you know, of organizations that are doing this, right? I mean, you've got like, there's every, every well-known, um, you know, industry out there has now one or two sort of internal shops that are like publishing their, their learnings, you know, internal web shops that are like publishing their learnings. And those are the ones that we all look up to and think, you know, if I was going to shift from client services, maybe I would go work at that place because they're really trying some cool stuff. Clearly. And, yeah. And there may be a million other shops that are trying cool stuff, but they're not telling anybody about it, you know, so you wouldn't know to go work there, you know? So my, my favorite example of that is Walmart labs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it really? They, dude, they like, they are the epitome of like scalable node infrastructure, like on black Fridays or cyber Mondays or whatever. They're like, getting jillions of hits and like they blog and share graphs and find out, you know, they found this like memory leak in node and they repaired totally. it. Yeah. And like, like, and it's Walmart and you're just like, like, and, you know, for those who aren't in the U S Walmart is a big store <laughs> <laughs> that isn't super nice to their employees, but um, like their, their staff, I guess, store employees. But um, it, you know, like everything about me is like, oh, Walmart's the enemy. They build big stores, blah, blah, blah. But then like Walmart Labs is there and it's like kind of changes my whole view of this company totally. just because they do cool stuff. Yes. Like interwebs. It's Absolutely. hard to talk about Walmart because they're on such a large scale that it's like any conversation is kind of screwed up by the immensity oh, totally. of the organization. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's like. I don't know, talking about my toe when my whole body <laughs> yeah, had a heart attack. Yeah, you're right. Though. Yeah. 
Okay, good stuff. We're going to get into some Q&A in a second. Maybe I'll do a sponsor really quick. Go to frontendsummit.com. That'll redirect you to where you need to go. This is Environments for Humans. Uh, 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 their second crack at the at a, at a front-end specific conference. It's one day coming up June 2nd. If you buy a ticket for this, use Shop Talk for 20% off. It's a one-day thing all about all about like straight-up front-end development and, and kind of like the, the hardcore stuff, like the, you know... Micah Godbolt talking about creating workflows with grunt. So like that's like talk number one is like get get in deep with with some grunt stuff. There's a talk on visual regression testing, which is this very difficult, very new thing on the web that's kind of like we need to make sure we don't screw up our website when we push new code. How do we do that? Maybe visual regression, regression testing can help. Dave Olson talking about brand patterns for systemic design and stuff. Uh, 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 the day actually ends in an interesting, interesting way. Here, it's a it's a front end roundtable Q and A by the fellas at Sparkbox. Or yeah. I'm not sure hey. who's on. So, yeah. so that that should be pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yep, and uh, and again, you can attend this from anywhere in the world without buying plane tickets and hotel rooms and stuff it is an online conference and uh, you know it's it's pretty nice how it goes down you know you you see the speakers talk live there's live chatting between you and the attendees probably more talking that happens than at your average conference uh cuz it's a chat room you know you can ask anything at any time and uh, and chat and then you get like a live replay of that uh, that you kind of own so it's not just the speakers talking in their slides but it's like the whole experience with all the questions and stuff it's pretty kind of a cool thing anyway check out frontendsummit.com 20% off with coupon shop talk should be pretty sweet alright first question comes from Nicholas Eli I have been working as a front end developer for a design firm I have been pretty put or I've been pretty off put uh, working for them as they always seem to want to use templates to start projects with. However, I have built them a starter kit to try and wean them off of using templates. Am I wrong for trying to do this as I see it is better for the client and the entire workflow? Is this something that is common with other design and development firms? So uh, I put this on there for Ben to just be like, do you have a a set of files that you start development with that Sparkbox? There's a different every time. Have you ever used mm. a template for a client? Uh, oh man, yeah. I mean, like, so you know, if I if you if I answer that question based on like my whole history, then heck yeah, I've, I've used templates before. You know, like when I started, I was just it was just me. You know, <laughs> working with the local places, and I did whatever I could do to get it done quickly. And and I think yeah. it's you know that's kind of like in my mind. This this kind of goes back to a show you guys had not too long ago, where you, you brought up Dave your article about um, you know sort of the commoditization of the web. You know, it's. Um, and I, I don't want to, re, you know, have us kind of go back and repeat all that, but, but, uh, there's, man, there's a lot happening in that space. I feel like there's this kind of pinching, you know, that's happening where it's like, if you're doing, you know, less expensive sites and, you know, I'm thinking like, if you're working like less than 10,000 bucks or something to build a site in that range, like that, that's getting to be a really difficult market. I think I would, I, I think to, to work in, um, and it's because you've got these amazing site builders. You've got all these templates you can buy for, you know, for WordPress themes for 40 bucks or whatever, you know. Um, and it's just, you know, it's like the, the, a client's ability to tell the difference between one of those things and what you could spend hundreds of hours, you know, handcrafting. 
it's like, man, it's just hard for them to tell the difference, you know? So, um, I mean, I think it comes down to like the scenario in, in that business's context, you know, what, what are they trying to do? Um, we don't, we don't start with templates. We have, um, we are building our own sort of little starter kit because one of the things, one of our goals for this year is to be able to go a lot deeper in solving very specific problems with our customers. Um, and so in order to do that without totally blowing budgets, <laughs> um, we've decided that we need to look at the problems that we've solved, you know, a hundred times before and, and, and take the experience that we have in building, say, a navigation, right? We've done that a million times. You guys have built those things before, right? How do we take those and just boil them down into sort of a core, simple starter point for a nav, you know, that we know, that we know inside and out, that we trust, that we've tested, and that we can start with and, and know how to use well. And so we're kind of working on that just to help ourselves be more efficient, you know, uh, so that we have time in our, inside of our budgets to do other um, more innovative stuff. Um, so that's kind of our approach, but I think it really depends on the business, you know. That sounds pretty pretty level headed. Um, uh, a lot of people have done this before, though. I just I just listened to a talk about another agency who created their own little starter kit kind of thing for them. And of course, it serves them and they do a good job. But now they're at the point where they made a they bought a domain name for it. They're promoting it as this thing. And it's I don't nothing against that necessarily. But it's like that was born out of your agency's own Mm -hmm. struggles to in your culture and your the thing the type of work that you do. I don't necessarily know that it's gonna fit everybody else. I mean, maybe it will maybe it'll be the next bootstrap. I don't know. But there's some weird thing that clicks in people's head that I've always like been confused by, which is that like I solved a problem, I thought it was a pretty efficient way, now I'm going to distill it and reuse it, but not just for me, I'm also going to tell the whole world that this is the best way to work. Kind of, there's, whereas I you're doing it... Smartest. Yeah. You're doing it without that step of, of telling everybody that this is the best possible way to work. You know, it's that final step where you're like, this is the way... That 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 weirds me out, you know. Like, just stop short of that. There's a fine line between like telling everybody it's the best solution and just open sourcing what you've done, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just just let it sit out there. <laughs> Although that's weird too, because there's nothing wrong with promoting work that you do, you know, and and being excited about it and showing it off. So yeah. I don't know. Let's 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 leave it at that, Nicholas. It sounds like you uh, have a passion for this stuff. You want to do the best for your company. Uh, you're trying to guide them in a direction that you think is smart. I think you're 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 clearly a, a good employee, and uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to guide your your company there. But you know, of course, try to see things from all perspectives, and you know, there's other people that work in your organization too and i'm sure they have thoughts and experience too you know i don't know all all of our questions end with it's it depends so maybe we'll just leave this one there too <laughs> yeah. uh, all right we have an audio well, one coming in got live. an audio question from rachel here we go hey guys as we know Benko owns Sparkbox, which means that all three of you have made the transition from being a web designer to running your own business. If you could go back and tell your younger, naive self just getting started with running a business one thing, what would that be? Similarly, what advice do you have for Shop Talk listeners who are thinking about moving from just working in the industry to owning or running a business in the industry? 
Cheers. Mm, leveling Dang. up. Wow. Thanks for the question, Rachel. We all just, or at least me and Ben, just saw Rachel at Converge SE. It was nice to see you, Rachel. Yeah. Previous guest of Shop Talk Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? So, so you, at one point, Ben, you were just a, a young web designer running around the streets of Dayton trying to, <laughs> to cut it and then, and, then, and then leveled up. Was there a moment at which you're like, I am, I am now a business? Were you always kind of thinking of yourself that way? Was there a leap of faith? Did you knife the big agency in town? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Stole their soul. So I remember, I have this vivid memory of walking out of the science building back in college. Um, I was like, you know, all the computer science stuff was like in the basement of the science building. We called it the dungeon, you know. And literally, I was leaving the dungeon on like after I'd spent the night down there trying to, you know, solve some stupid programming problem. And I came out, I was exhausted. And I remember walking out in the breezeway, exiting the science building. And there's a little, little like cork board thing on the wall there, right? And I'm looking at this cork board thing. I don't know why something caught my eye. And there's all these little flyers. And the, the, one of these things that has the little tabs on the bottom you can rip off, you know, the little phone number or whatever to call. And it says, come join the Young Entrepreneurs Club, you know, and I remember vividly looking at this piece of paper. It was a purple piece of paper and I looked at it and I, th- I literally said to myself, I would, I never want to run. Who would want to run their own business? What a headache. <laughs> and, and I just like, I was exhausted. I just left, you know, and like that moment, you know, in my mind, I, I can remember thinking about all of the things that would come along with running a business that would keep me from doing the things that I actually love to do. Starting you know? with answering the phone, apparently. Dude, from- yeah. I mean, that's the, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's really strange. I mean, I'm, I guess for me at least, you know, I, I, I worked, I was employed uh, right out of college for about five years as a software engineer. And then I started my own thing, you know, like I just have kind of done ever since then, I've just done my own thing. And I, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's not been, there was never a moment where it clicked for me where I just was a business person, you know, but, but the more that I've been in this space, um, the more interested I've become in, you know, helping at sort of a, like, like, I guess it feels like I'm peeling away layers, right? Like when I, when I first started, it was all about just getting a website live and, and, and then I, I wanted to sort of solve their content problems. And it was more about sort of working with them to make sure that the stuff that I did would be maintainable. And then like, I'm peeling back these layers of like, what are actually symptoms of bigger problems, you know? And, and now I feel like I'm in a position where I have the opportunity to talk to folks who can like actually make a difference in, in a big company in terms of the culture that they're developing. And, and, you know, a lot of times I think Sparkbox is brought in because organizations see the culture that we have and they want that replicated internally. And, and we, we may do work for them. We may help them with their web stuff, but we also usually play a role where we're helping them develop that culture somehow, you know? So, in my mind, I feel like it's been just a slow evolution of, of transitioning. Now, we have people here that help with the day-to-day administrative stuff. And if I was going to answer the question, um, you know, about one thing I would tell my former self, it would be to, to find good advisors, um, mentors, you know, who, who know this stuff. Because there's a <laughs> there is so much crap you've got to deal with. Um, I mean, if we didn't have a, a good tax mentors. accountant. Mentors yeah. is, the, is the idea. Okay, interesting. Yeah. If we didn't have a good tax person, I would be completely screwed. Like there are in jail, maybe. Yeah, probably in jail, literally. <laughs> so 
don't yeah. like, got to do that stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was going to say, based on this past year, get a good, reliable accountant that yep. is not a scumbag and mm-hmm. disappears on you. There you go. <laughs> That's my advice. <laughs> good. Yes. Yeah. Personal have, experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Advice for my personal, my personal me in the past, if I time machined Bill and Ted it out. Me. Probably like, Lay off the calzones, you know. That's not gonna. That's not gonna help you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I, to... I would. I, you know, it's weird. I would go back and tell myself, dude, you actually don't have to work that hard. <laughs> like I was working very too much, and uh, you know, I wish I hadn't, and I wish I had done. You know, I, I wish I had chilled out a little bit more. But then again, you're like. What if if I had not worked as hard, maybe I wouldn't be where I am now, you know. But I, that's that's hard to say. I don't know. I would probably tell myself to chill out. So I can um, echo the accountant thing. Uh, that's been very, very, very useful to me too. Yeah. Uh, just for peace of mind, if anything. And and you know she's so great. You know, looking at the and it's D. The we've had her on Chop Talk before. Mm-hmm. She. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. There's charts and graphs that make me understand the business more. You know, uh, 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 I'm just listening to Mr. Wiseacre himself in the chat room, being like, he's being audited right now. What, <laughs> I, like, what it is? If I was audited That's years ago, I would be in jail. You know, like only be. And I'm not a criminal. <laughs> Maybe, Debtors probably, prison. at least in the traditional sense. But it's only because I find, uh, I, you know, my brain works in weird ways, and I'm like, taxes is too hard. No. <laughs> yeah. Not that I didn't pay them, but just I didn't pay them r- correctly. I'm sure, you know, like I just didn't I don't understand how to do that. I think I find them obtuse, you know. So anyway, n- now I feel good about it because there's been years and years now. I've kind of been doing them the correct way, and everything business is separated from everything personal. I mean, I I just went in just to validate all this. I'm I'm currently in the process of buying the the house I have a land contract on right now, and I and I walked in, you know, before, in years past they've kind of laughed at me because my Life is a weird mess of, of, you know, like I don't have taxes that really like even prove what I do. Now with years of, of proper tax returns, proper accounting, separation for that, I'm a true employee of this company and stuff. They're like, of course, just fill out this form. Here's a loan. You know, now now I look good to the government. Now I can, you know. Yeah. yeah. yeah I like, was going to say, like, just don't like don't even accept a check without having talked to an accountant first. And yep. I know that's weird, but like. There's like self-employment tax is brutal. Mm. Like that's a totally different way to calculate it from like business sort of stuff. So like make sure you have somebody like saying, oh, okay, here's what you're going to do. Here's how you should structure your company, blah, blah, blah. I'll set it up for you for a fee and you give them the money and then then you accept clients and stuff. I know that's it's an upfront cost, but it'll save you so much headaches down the line. Yeah. And can I tell a quick tax story? Yeah, Let's, I love tax stories. <laughs> is this this is like middle aged middle aged <laughs> podcast? You listen to the, to the tax middle aged show. Yeah, yeah. the tax um, tax talk show. There you go, tax talk. New, new branch <laughs> off of this one. Um, so this is a. I'll make it quick because it's you know taxes. But um, we we have this amazing accountant, and he has been tremendously helpful for us. And you, I, you, you reminded me of this day when you said, you know, like they'll save you money in the long run. Right. Um, <clears throat> even though it's that there's that initial upfront cost, but so like we did this build out in this space, you know, I, I mentioned, we've just been in here for a couple of years 
there were like things happening in Congress, right, that delayed certain little um, small business tax benefit things that we had no clue were even going on, right? But because we have a very qualified tax accountant, he was able to, um, you know, follow along with those things and literally moments before the end of, um, you know, taxes were due in April, right? The moments before that, he was able to follow up on one of those issues, find out that it did get passed at like midnight, you know, before and save us literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. So, I mean, like that stuff is, it is well, well worth your time and your money. Um, to, Imagine to a swing like that. that. You could take that money, hire, you know, buy it's more equipment, hire more people, level up your kids through college. Yes, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. No, buy, I, like, three I, Teslas. I was, yeah, buy a Tesla. <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason I say like do that, I my situation in 2014 was my. I have an accountant a not good accountant, I realized they quit paying my quarterlies. Oh my gosh. Like, and I was like, I noticed it in like October and I'm like, Hey, noticed no money disappeared. <laughs> Could we figure that out? And then nothing didn't hear anything. I call on the phone, nothing. I'm like, uh Oh, need a new accountant. Found uh, a really great guy. Your call has been forwarded to the Austin Correctional Facility. <laughs> I had to report this woman because she just disappeared on me. And so wow. and I get a new accountant and I, this he's going through my taxes and he's like, it literally, this is my worst nightmare. And he, he come, writes an email and it starts off, well, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, your income was reported as $5,000 last year. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) no idea. And I have no W-2. I have like letters from the Social Security Administration coming at me. Like, it's just what is happening. I don't know. Texas Workforce Commission, this guy calls me regularly to ask me how much money I've made. And I'm like, I literally don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. And I thought so, you Paravel guys were doing a lot better than that, Dave. Dude, uh, we, we are pretty good, but <laughs> Dave Rupert LLC is shambles. <laughs> Dave, Dave Rupert LLC is is not on top of the money yeah, game. So. I hear you. All right, we have some more. We have some more stuff. Nick Hur writes in: How do you facilitate communication between designers, developers, managers, clients, all that stuff at Sparkbox? And how do you find? Uh, projects done in the open, like the one we just talked about at CodeFan, help the relationship through through transparency. So there's you know there's people that have different roles at Sparkbox, and what do you do? Slack meetings, all of the above. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's uh, honestly it's very dependent on what a what a specific customer needs. You know, um, I we so uh, like to get into some of the tooling we use. Where we use Basecamp when it's appropriate. We we use Slack religiously. Um, we, I've never seen a product become uh, more sort of ingrained in in our culture any faster than that. Literally, we were on we were on Skype and we just used Skype for everything. One morning, somebody just said, "Hey, can we try this out through Slack? The Slack URL in Skype." And by the afternoon, everybody had Skype closed and was in Slack, and we never looked back. I mean, it was like bizarre experience. Um, but we actually invite clients into Slack with us. So we have external uh. Slack channels. Um, 
and we prefix them with ext so that everybody knows. Oh, that's knows. why we're an ext code pen. There Got you it. go. That's it. Yeah, and I mean that just gives like we so we've been intentional about we don't have people who are just project managers. We don't have people who are just account managers. Everybody who's who we hire at Sparkbox plays a, plays other roles too on the projects, even if they happen to manage projects, um, and so. We just, you know, I think that came out of, you know, past experience, you know, uh, for Rob and I in just situations where we, we just, you know, we had uh, project managers that didn't really understand any of the tech that was going on and they were making promises. Same thing with account, the account side and sales side. We don't have any of that, you know. Uh, so we, you know, we let our clients interact directly with the people doing the work. That means we have to be careful about who we hire, right, because I can't have somebody who I can't put in front of a client. Um, so that's, that's a big, that's part of the reason that we encourage writing and speaking. Cause I, I want people to be developing those communication skills so they can, they can play those roles with our clients when it's appropriate. Um, so we invite them into that. So there's daily communication there. Um, we usually set up some sort of a formal, you know, once a week or something, depending on the, the duration of the project, uh, where we'll sit down and walk through progress. You know, um, we, we, uh, we have this sort of idea of I don't like the idea of deliverables, you know, like that we would spend a bunch of time polishing wireframes and polishing, you know, Photoshop comps and all that stuff. So we do just enough of that stuff and we just see it as progress toward the final thing that we're building. So we we invite people in to see our progress and we call those updates, you know, just instead of deliverables. Um you know, and then we have, I usually check in with our clients, I don't know, once a quarter or so just to kind of see how things are going and make sure that they're, they're feeling good about things. Um, I mean, that's, that's really it, you know, I, <laughs> nothing fancy really. Yeah. The, the weekly, the weekly essentially, yeah. 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 in whatever form it takes. Cool. All right. Let me do another sponsor. We have Harvest, the URL there being getharvest.com. Uh, they've sponsored on and off shop talks for a long time. So thanks for that. And, you know, related to all this stuff that we're, we're talking about running a business, doing it responsibly, tracking your time is, 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 is part of all that. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're the type of business that does that, but it's like, even if you don't, you could like, even if you don't bill that way, you could use it to understand your business that well, which I think is kind of cool. And if you do bill that way, then it from moving from your track time to an invoice for a client is really easy because you just know exactly what time people spent on what. And you can be like, that translates into money and here's your bill. Uh, you can use you can use Harvest for, for budget tracking as well. I mean, like we have this many hours to work on this project, so let's stop at that point and talk to the client or, or whatever. Right? So it, it's, you know, it's kind of an invoicing product as well. You can use it to estimate projects for your clients. So that it's like, it can happen before the project even starts, which is cool. You can use it to track expenses in there. So it's, it's really like, it can be your hub for, for, for managing your business with your clients, which is kind of an awesome thing. They've been around a long time. Tons of people use Harvest, you know, Dave's used Harvest. It's, they have, they have apps for all kinds of, of, of things too like like it's not just like this website where you have to go and click the button right there's a native mac app there's native windows apps there's native apps for all the the mobile platforms it's like and they all kind of live and work and breathe together it's a robust large infrastructure of stuff you know uh, uh, so wherever you're comfortable harvest has you we've we've said in the past a kind of a cool feature is you know 
time dragging sounds like kind of like I don't want to do that, you know. And I, I I feel you. I don't necessarily want to do it either. But if you have it installed as like a menu bar app, it's pretty darn easy to do, and it has like intelligent features. Like if you walked away and forgot to hit stop for lunch, but your computer knows that you were away because your mouse hasn't moved and stuff like that, you can kind of come back and it will it will just be like, hey, I noticed you were gone for forty seven minutes. Do you want to apply? that to your client because you were at a meeting talking about them or were you at yoga so that let's not apply it to the you know, <laughs> smart stuff like that anyway the urls getharvest.com check them out pretty cool software let's do another question hey uh, yeah I, I was just gonna say in terms of like going out and starting your own business time tracking is really smart because then you kind of know how long it takes you to do things so like should, for real not a like a, a brain estimate which you will definitely be wrong yes brain, <laughs> brain estimates rarely ever pan out I call uh, penny, just double it just be like i think i can get this done monday it's the next monday <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we have a, another uh, question from Rachel Smith here um, via Twitter, but um, I will divine an accent here. Ben, what are your thoughts on T-dot domains? <laughs> oh, man, that's so good. Uh, so I'm going to answer this with a story because I like to tell stories. I, I was on a call the other day with a customer. Uh, an old customer that we've done a lot of work with in the past, um, and they were asking us to kind of get back involved. And they told us that they're, the vendor they've been using to provide their M dot site, you know, so a, a site that basically looks at their user agent and redirects, you know, to the M dot, right? So if you're if you're a mobile device, has just kind of pitched to them this idea of a T dot site. So T for tablet. And, uh, uh, what really? <laughs> I was like, yeah. "What is he talking about? Those t.co Twitter links, no. or where's this going?" T dot baby, uh, tablet dot. And so we literally, I'm on the phone, you know, and our customer gets it right. Like they were just laughing. We just had a good laugh about it, and then we started joking about like, do we need ph dot sites for like phablets and <laughs> yeah. things like that? And mm-hmm. w dots, yeah. yeah. I mean, geez. So I don't know, man. It's I, we we were joking about this at Converge last week with Rachel, and just the idea that this is like this last ditch effort for all the M dot providers, right? <laughs> they can see this tide coming, where the the stuff that they're doing might be just a little bit irrelevant if all they're doing is stripping content and functionality out and providing a simpler version of. Um, and so like, hey, we could just take. I can imagine that conversation in the boardroom, right? They're sitting around. They're like, we could just take. All the stuff that we've got to build M dot sites, make a few changes and like strip a little less out and make a T dot site. Let's do that yeah. quickly. Go sell it now before they realize how stupid this is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. I can't wait to have a separate code base for every breakpoint. It seems like the right <laughs> yeah. way to go. Seems good. Do you remember the tablet first wave? There, the, oh, I think yeah. one site like PC Mag or something did a tablet <laughs> first and middle everyone, out like. Everyone was like, responsive is dead, tablet first. <laughs> and I'm just like, does that even exist anymore? That's I I heard it once and now I, I remember it forever. Was that oh my gosh. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Forget mobile think first. You. Think tablet first. Forbes.com, probably an article written by the guy who did it. So <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, right. There's a there is a tendency to just kind of validate anything that you did that that, that it, especially if it works, you know, because then it's like, how can I possibly be wrong? It worked yeah, for how me. Uh, you know, uh, maybe I'll they're take not. It. Maybe USA Today, Read Write Web, Next Web, and Forbes have all adopted tablet first. I'm just gonna leave it there. Go on. <laughs> Next question. Uh, here's a good one from Daryl Dixon. Uh, I've been learning web development for six months. Uh, I have now started looking for remote entry-level jobs. I'm specifically looking for remote jobs now as I can't afford to move out of the city at this time. Um, uh, however, I'm not sure if I'm jumping the gun on my job hunt as I'm very young in my learning experience and haven't done much. I hear people say, oh, just one or two decent projects is fine. Your passion is important. I have a lot of passion for this. So my question is, am I looking too soon? So it sounds like Daryl is six months, uh, learning, wants to get an entry level job, maybe working remote, uh, Ben, you are actually the only person who hires here. So how, <laughs> how would you approach this? Um, is it too soon? I guess. Uh, I, yeah, that's a hard question to answer. You know, it kind of depends on, on this person. Um, we, so we're, we've made a conscious decision to, to not be a remote organization. That's not a hundred percent true, but it's about 90% true. Um, we, we, we don't hire people who are remote now if, if they've never worked with us before. So we do have some individuals who have been in Dayton, worked with us here, and then asked if they could keep their job and move to a new city. And once we've developed that sort of um, relationship with an individual, then we're much more amenable to that sort of that sort of remote scenario. So I think that's really helped us. Um, I, I would be hesitant, I think, for somebody who's six months into learning, who wants to get better at this stuff, to try and do that remotely. Um, I think you're going to have better success, you know, finding some place that you can that's local to you that where there's a few one or two folks who are a little further along that will, you know, commit to sort of investing in you. I that's my personal opinion, but I, I'm a big believer in that whole face to face thing, you know. So, yep, yep, yep. Six months does seem pretty new to get to to get a like a lot of yeses, you know, for yeah, your. Yeah. For this, I, I would be surprised if if it was a it was cakewalk getting something, Daryl. Not that it's impossible, but yeah, it may not be right for you anyway. Because it's mm-hmm. like you, I don't know. Like maybe you're real good at learning alone, but maybe have you tried the other way? You know, uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, and and you know, he said can't move out of the city. I, I mean, there maybe there's a relocation budget if you do get a job. So I sure. Would, I and six months is too. only one metric too. I don't have any URLs for you, Daryl. Are you a prodigy? Is your website amazing? Yeah. Can I see? Right. Can I see like incredible stuff coming out of you, Daryl? That maybe I'd be interested in hiring you if you're amazing. You know, I I don't know. Sure, but that so the six month thing to us just seem, it, it, it's it's it, it seems like you're probably pretty junior, but but it's really the skill level that matters. So. Yep. Okay, Toki. Let me see here. How nerdy do we want to get? I'm trying to pick. Out the right. We only have time for uh, a couple more here, so I got this. But let's go. Let's go. Nerdy CSS, huh? Mike Van Muir's writes in. How can I apply an overlay to an element or to my entire screen that blurs everything behind it? I'm well aware of the filter blur thing in CSS. However, it's my understanding that the method only works with images. 
What if I also wanted to blur other things, such as a navigation menu or text or a form or something like that? So I think he's asking, how do I blur everything behind another element? Mm. Uh, uh, I can answer. Please. I think he's trying to go for the uh, like iOS glass effect where everything kind of blurs behind the, the right. header Right, so rather than a, the traditional web one is like a darkening behind yeah. the mobile, but, the, but it, we've moved on. Now we blur things. Now we blur things. The, the Like you'd think like, oh, I'm just going to go like filter blur, but that like blows out everything like child layers. Like, so right. So if you really blurred the that. body, wanting to blur everything, you're gonna literally blur every single thing on the entire page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it doesn't you, just your your assumption that it works on just images is not right. Blur works on anything. Yeah, blur works on anything. Um, the only way I think you can do it is, uh, and I'm looking at there's this library blurjs.com which achieves this effect. Um, and it's a jQuery plugin, so a little bit of overhead here. But um, I think what what you basically can do, it, it, what it basically does is it renders out the web page in a canvas and then converts that to an image and puts that into the background. Oh, my God. I what are you talking about? Just wrap the whole like page a, in a div, blur that, and make it make them siblings instead of children, the modal. Yeah, you could do that as well. Yeah. But that's sort of I don't know if you're and be hit aware that that, that CSS filters like this only work, you know they're not they're not ubiquitous. You have to be okay with its level of support, or alternatively do something else instead of blur for browsers that don't support it, like a darkening or something. Does that JavaScript library use CSS and then fall back if CS if that blur is not supported in CSS to the image thing, or is it just images for everybody? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think it just like if if something isn't supported, it'll just like undo. But I think it's relatively supported if it's like rendering a canvas and then rendering. Uh, a yeah, thing. canvas probably but, has better support than than. But yeah. it, and then maybe there's more ability. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I haven't seen the plugin, so I can't guess. But I, I would imagine it probably doesn't. You know, default to CSS filters probably because it thinks of itself yeah. as different than that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vincent Feeney writes in, in a world of style guides, and Vincent has looked at ones like from Salesforce and Lonely Planet and Starbucks and stuff, kind of like mini bootstraps. How does the CMS fit into all this? Creating an awesome style guide like some of these can be rendered almost useless when a developer is still required to change a WordPress template or create a new page. Isn't the point of using a CMS um, avoiding developers, giving the client something they can manage, isn't creating an awesome WordPress backend more valuable to a client than a style guide. Uh, it goes on from here, but I think the the kind of the, the the point is like, who is a style guide for? Like, is a style guide something you give somebody whose job is to kind of use the CMS, blasting in comment, or is it you know you know what I mean? Uh, uh, hmm. I, I my 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 thought kind of was that a style guide is for somebody who's like implementing templates more than more than somebody whose job it is to like ed- enter content. Not necessarily those are different people, but I can imagine somebody who's who isn't a developer who whose job it is to use the CMS. And uh, you, I think you're right, probably in that the style guide 
isn't probably too important for them. The style guide has has been important to the the person, the next step in the line, who kind of created the the templates to begin with. Is yeah. the question is the question supposed to be more about the sustainability of pattern libraries? Like it, 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 you know, like there's this trend now to do everything with, you know, like Brad's and Dave's pattern lab, right? Where you have this set of you know atoms and molecules and organisms, and at the end of the day, you've got a really nice set of templates that are built from those. But as soon as that code gets integrated with a CMS, you're maintaining that in two places. Is that kind of what this question is getting at, or I think so? Or is that the 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 that the person entering building a new page with the CMS probably should they be worrying about should they be thinking about using the style guide or or, or mm. not you know should they be like oh I think I should be using the priority plus navigation here like nah <laughs> that's probably not your job it's probably somebody yeah. else's yeah you know and then I the question kind of went on and it's like, how do you sell this to a client? Like the value. And I don't know. I, I, I think it's gotta be automatic. Um, I think I, I'm kind of curious, like what you could do this in WordPress. WordPress has the componentization just enough. Like why? I don't know. I think it'd be cool if, if WordPress thing, what do we call them? Themes. That's what they're called. WordPress themes bundled a, a style guide, like whether it's page desk mm. style guide or whatever, and then started importing all the, the little partials and templates to spit out a style guide. I think that'd be a really cool, that would be cool. thing, yeah. but I, I don't know if I haven't seen any plugins doing that or themes doing that, but um, I think that would be a because themes I've, are so it's like an open book. You can do whatever you want in a theme. There are there is some the HTML that WordPress generates that uh, you you could base some of these structures on, like right like like the default comment output has some HTML that you can count on if you don't customize it. And uh, widgets in WordPress do have some standardized HTML structure that you can go on. But like the the rest of a page, what layout it uses, what goes in the main content area, what you do with custom fields and custom post types and stuff. There's no standardized structure there. So it's kind of like uh, you can do whatever you want. I think that if you want to use a style guide, it's kind of on you to to bring the markup that you want to use and style it the way you want to use. It's it's a little too uh, open book. And this doesn't have to, this would, this would be any CMS you'd run into this really. I, I would just think that you you shouldn't like the, when you get when you hand off to just a content generator that the that the the CMS is just asking for data and that data gets spit out following a style guide that totally, they yeah. they're not thinking about the style guide as they create content. Probably. The whole point is that they shouldn't have to. That's why you've done that work, right? So that yeah. you can be consistent by just entering you know content. But on the on the issue of selling it, um, I will say that. In the past six months, pretty much every project that we've had, every lead that I've interacted with has requested this. So I haven't had to sell it at all. It's becoming something that people are are looking for. So... Is it uh, you know. a trend? Is it in the air, or is it is that project scope is getting bigger? That it's clear that this thing is useful. Or, I mean, you, have, you know, I think I think what's happening, at least for it's probably a combination of those, right? Like everybody's talking about this, but also I think people are tired of of re, rebuilding everything all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and oh, if you do so, this, maybe it's more clear if you look at a style guide. The style guide could could be updated and 
the yeah. look could change yeah. without having to reinvent the whole web. Totally, yeah. I mean, we're talking well, about building for sustainability, you know. That Lonely Planet example is a really good one because they have things working in there that actually they build that, kind of like what we were just talking about, Dave, they build that thing from the CMS so that it's, it is sort of self-maintaining. You know, that's kind of like the holy grail, right? I think what's cool is is in terms of like a system or whatever, this if you wanted to redesign Lonely Planet, you know everything in their inventory that you would have to design. Yeah. Like a card for a thing, or maybe it's not a card, but you know, like you you'd have to decide design a thing with a pin or, or and you kind of learn like why it exists. Um you can kind of see the differences and why they had to make differences. It's, I think it's cool for organizations. I mean, we, this might be like the beginning of a, a websites last, you know, 10 years instead of five years kind of just because a a lot of effort and thought, but you know, it's, it's so much better to like know what's involved at a glance as opposed to like, yeah, we can redesign it. We did a homepage and a subpage and now we're ready to go. Uh, we'll just implement it. Cause it's like, well, what about these 10 things that we already, we depend on and make money or whatever. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's interesting. I would love to see a WordPress theme with style guide built in. That'd be cool. You could almost just steal a pattern lab. Well, that was <laughs> at one time. I don't. I, I think it kind of fizzled out, or maybe I'm wrong about this. But at one time, uh, Dan Cedarholm made a WordPress yeah. theme that was like your manage a style guide with it thing. I can't Pear. remember what it was yeah. called. Oh, Pairs. Yeah. Pear. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's funny. This whole style guide thing, this whole pattern lab thing, or pattern library thing, is really, really interesting to me. We're we're bought into this idea. We do this now on pretty much every project, but. Um, I will say that I feel like when I step back and look at our workflows, you know, the, everybody sort of sees this as like a, a solution to the the designer developer pr- problem, you know, like the, the whole separate silos of individuals working because they're more involved in developing the templates and all that. But I still feel like we've actually only just shifted that one layer, like where we used to have sort of a bunch of UX and design stuff happen and we would hand off templates or I'm sorry, static designs. And then development people would code those and integrate them. Now the the templatizing of those static things is happening, um, you know, sort of earlier in the process. And the handoff is now a pattern library, but there's still this handoff, you know. Um, and and so we're one of the, some one of the things that we're really really trying to figure out is how can we work a little cl- more closely with. A lot of times for us, our clients have big dev teams that are handling the infrastructure and the integration of these big sites. So how do we, how can we work with them, you know, during this process to make sure that what we're building is easily integratable so that there's less possibility of that thing getting screwed up when it gets integrated. Um, so that's a big part of what we do. That ends up for us. It means like modeling their content in JSON or finding ways to sort of replicate the data model in a static form while we're working on design and templates. Um, so anyway, we could probably spend another hour talking about all that, but uh, lots of change in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Well, nope, that's good. I, I'm that's. I mean, I do style guide work basically. That's what I've been doing for like the last year. It's pretty wild. 
fun times, the data, the integration is the hard part. That's like the holy grail. But like Chris, you did it with with CodePen pretty easily. I did it for Sparkbox. I was kind of like, we're working on this thing. I might as well give you this page that you can look at so that you ha- they have in mind as they look at yeah. these pages all of the different parts there. And it's and it's been useful. So now we're, it's cool. We're doing this like, you know, let's design some pages first so that we make sure that we're designing pages not you know and i you know whatever you think of the world pages but you know like some parts of the app that that people a, look a at or picture. whatever yeah. yeah so you design that first and then and and then i we then we can port some of that over to a style guide and then we can look at the complete style guide so let's just make sure that we're not designing style guides we're still yep. designing websites and, and yeah, they kind totally. of live together yeah yeah i mean users still see pages right so uh, that right. whole argument of like getting rid of the word page in our vocabulary, I think is it's just ridiculous because that's that is what users see. Um, uh, we still have to think holistically. We have to build modularly. We have to think about the design system. I'm not saying that that's not true, but we can't just give up the whole idea that this stuff will be experienced in groups of those modules, which are pages. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. For sure. If you have some new better word to describe it, fine. But yeah, I don't know. Rupert's. I think we all agreed they're called <laughs> Rupert's. Is that? Can we vote? Can we vote? Yeah, Rupert? vote. Sure. All in favor. Uh, I, 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 the eyes have it. <laughs> there was there's one <laughs> there's one meh in the group. I think. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Hey, well, uh, it's time. It's it's time, Ben. We have to shut it down, but. Thank you, Ben Callahan, for coming on the show. For people who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? And then what's one thing you'd like to plug before you leave the show? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, ben Callahan, all one word, all on the Twitters. Um, happy to you know follow up with folks there. Um, I'll say that I have recently opened up DM to anybody, which I'm starting to regret because I'm starting to get some bizarre DMs. But I'll leave it open for a little while longer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, you can, you know, reach out to Sparkbox, just see sparkbox.com. We're happy to talk with you guys. Anybody who wants to chat, happy to do that. Um, If I could plug one thing, it would definitely be uh, the Build Right Maker Series that we're trying to run. So this is an event series that we run in our space in Dayton. So those of you who are, you know, somewhat close to the Midwest, we'd love to have you physically make the trip here. But um, we're really excited because um, we just opened up live stream availability for this too. So um, the live stream is, uh, it'd be a half day event. We have, uh, I think, four more. Pamela Pavlashek will be here to talk designing with data. We've got um, Ethan Marcotte, of course, to speak about responsive. We've got Karen McGrain and we've got Dan Mall. So we've got a, a killer lineup for the rest of this year. 99 bucks to get yourself live streamed in for that half day workshop with those folks. Um, Going to be really, really exciting. Uh, buildright.io because you know io is is cool right that's right <laughs> yep. that's yeah. right you got that um, correct yeah so we'd love to have you join us for that i think it's going to be um going to be sweet so yeah I, you know under you know th- you've always kind of faced the like why would i go to dayton i would go to dayton just just for one of these the space is so cool it's such a such a nice place to be to learn this stuff i can imagine i can't wait to go to my first one and then it's an interesting structure right and the, the first day has a little bit more structure and it's like talks from them and and you you get the full workshop experience and then there's like the second day thing right that's super like chill and talky and so 
Yeah, it's actually it's a it's a single day event, but the morning is uh, oh, about split three. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the morning is three hours of them essentially speaking about the thing they're known for, right? So we've asked, and we've been very intentional in curating the list of folks who 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 we have speaking. Um, but so we've got really good content in that first half. The second half is much more um, an opportunity to get to know them. We we bring lunch in, so you get to eat with them. We actually have a little bartender who's a local guy who comes in, yeah. brings his own bar, and mixes drinks for us right there. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's a lot of fun. It's very, very interpersonal. It's just an, an opportunity to meet these people, to realize that they're just like you and me, right? They're normal folks. And hopefully the idea behind that is to encourage the attendees to start to participate back to give back to the industry in some way, right? So that's kind of what we're trying to do. Um, uh, would love to have any of you make the trip. So, all right. And I was going to throw a shout out. You have a great post over on your Foundry blog at C Sparkbox: How to teach teens and preteens to build a website. Our yeah. day with the Girl Scouts. I thought that was a really awesome post that you guys opened up your shop for a day to help teach local Girl Scouts how to make websites. Um, that's pretty awesome work. Yeah. I, I, so I, I'm, this is a difficult one for me. I, I'm, it's hard for me to figure out what my, what should my role be in this whole gender issue that we have in this industry. And I've decided to try and be as proactive about that as I can. And so we were approached by the Girl Scouts and I just basically put it in the court of the ladies who work at Sparkbox. And I said, I think this would be amazing. Let's do, let's teach Girl Scouts how to make websites. <laughs> and they spent, they put the work in. I mean, they spent weeks and weeks developing a curriculum. We literally had 35 Girl Scouts in our training space downstairs. By the end of the day, they all launched their own website. And it was, it was incredible to see their faces. Just, they were so excited, you know? So I'm hoping that that can have a positive impact, you know? Mm-hmm. That's great. And I look forward to our new overlords. taking my job one day all right well uh thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the shop talk show be sure to uh follow us on twitter at shop talk show uh head over to the shop talk show store if you want things uh and be sure to get a new job at shop talk show.com slash jobs if you hate your job so uh or if you're hiring somebody go there uh and um i'm I'm rambling so chris do you got anything else you'd like to share there no uh, just remember hashtag Dave goes windows. We're still working on that and uh, uh, shop talk show.com. <laughs>